have a very inspirational journey. We'll be talking with a lovely young man who is going to talk about going from inmate to inspiration. We need that right before this memorial holiday and with all that's happening. So let's get started. Welcome to another edition of Soulful. Hi, and welcome to Soulful. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Tuesday. Yes, it is so beautiful. How's everybody doing? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We cannot match your enthusiasm. Welcome to beautiful. It's great, sis. So what y'all oh, trying to say about my enthusiasm? No, we love it. it. I just wasn't ready. I just wasn't ready. ready. That's what my clients say when I talk to them. Girl, take it down. I'd be like, we woke up this morning. You got to be thankful for something. I mean. But anyway, welcome to Soulful, everyone. Today is going to be a great show because you know me. I'm all about the kingdom business. And anytime I hear about someone's success from where they were to where they have grown to, it is an inspiration and an enlightenment just to figure out how they made that journey. So we are welcoming Cardell Sims today to our show. And But before we get started, we've got to ask, what you're working on? So today I was working on getting some proposals. Me and Dub Sado, we was fighting, but we got it together. We got it together. Um, so I'm working on some proposal and then getting ready for some lead generation calls that I'm going to be doing over the next couple of days. And then Toya, you know what Toya does best. Did I tell you that we were meeting? So we have a couple meetings up, upcoming this week. Nikia, what you working on? Today I worked on um, researching some KPIs for my boss. And that was all I did. It was Nikia. just a really frustrating day. That's all That's you did today? That's all I did today. You're usually more um I more know. than me. Well, I started <laughs> out with an internet outage. So I couldn't do right. anything this morning because the internet had been out since two o'clock this morning. So I couldn't get on until nine something and I go to work at seven. So it was very frustrating this morning. You know, I'm starting to think Toya and all her problems with the internet are rubbing off on us because Saturday I lost power. Today you got internet issues. And yeah, we might need to check on that. We might need to check on that. So yeah. on me. <laughs> <laughs> beware, beware. So yeah, what you working on? But hold up, I just don't understand why I always be the issue. I always be, I always be the extra one. Y'all, I ain't even extra. I always be the problem. The internet. Why you gonna put that on me, homie? <laughs> Who did that? You, I did. I, you said I think Toy's internet issues are rubbing off on everybody else. Oh, okay, that was the old me. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So today, I uh, something I don't typically do. I made a lot of client calls. I was on the phone for a large part of the moment morning talking about talking to clients, 
and just working on client uh, scheduling uh, meetings and so forth. So it was very client based this morning. Yeah, that's that good. Nice. She's going after that that, that um, income goal, aren't you? That's right. Yes, so I have not. I have not made my income goal yet for this um, for this month. And so one of our coach told us, you know, Toya, go out there and start talking to people. And so I'm just trying to close up the loose ends. So I do make it the income goal. So, yeah, thank you for that reminder, Nakia. I'm doing it. The, the success of this all is that she picked up the phone. That is the success in it. I Toya do. don't like a telephone. To me. Uh, she don't like the phones? No, baby. No, baby. You could throw the phone out the window. She'll talk to that computer all day long and probably herself. But that telephone, yo, baby, she don't do that telephone. You know how people have their phone with them? They don't leave the house without their telephone. I'm like that with my laptop. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't forget the phone with this laptop. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cardell, what you working on? Yeah. Oh, I've been working on content creation all day today, uh, building up more content for my uh, social media sites. Nice. And then uh, had a meeting with my team today, uh, possibly going to, after a couple of grants for uh, juvenile reentry and uh, adult reentry. Oh, 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 okay. Now we're about to get into the meat of things. Wait, wait, That's wait. Nice. Let me tell y'all a little bit about Cardell, and then we could get it because I want to know about this stuff. Yes. So Cardell has overcome poverty, gangs, and prison to become a speaker, author, certified empowerment coach, and business owner. And already from what he told us that he's working on, we're already intrigued to get to know him more. After doing state and federal time, wait, so you did state and federal. I'm going to ask about that later. Um, <laughs> Cardell has walked out of the prison gates with a blueprint a blueprint that he put together while incarcerated. See, I tell people, while people are incarcerated, they're not just sitting there twiddling their thumbs and playing basketball. There are really some men and women who are preparing for them life so that they can be successful when they get out. His story and his journey is that of an intimate inmate to inspiration. Cardell shows variable information he learned and applied to free himself from his own destruction. Welcome, Cardell Simpson. Thank you for being an inspiration. Uh, thank so, you for having me. I want to know state and federal time. Go ahead. I'm listening. Oh, yeah. State um, state prison was the first time I did prison time. I've been in state prison several times. I was 22 years old. I caught my first drug case. I got probation. And as soon as I got probation, I just I wasn't worried about going to prison or probation. I was right back in the mix of things. Caught another drug case along with a gun case, and I got sentenced to a uh, seven-year to 12-year sentence into the Missouri Department of Corrections. They was ran consecutively. For those that don't know, consecutively means I do the seven-year sentence, and once I'm done with the seven-year, then I start doing the 12 before I get released. Mm-hmm. So I had a total of 19 years. So just like you said, you know, uh, I actually, my first prison, my first several prison bids, I didn't do nothing but play basketball. And didn't do nothing my time. So that's what caused me to continue to go back because I wasn't preparing myself. So I get out of state prison, I go right back because all I did was play basketball, drink coffee, smoke cigarettes and things like that and didn't do nothing my time. Then the federal government ended up picking me up. So when they handed me a piece of paper saying uh, Cardell Sims versus the United States of America, I had... That was the, like that just stood out to me, like me versus the United States. Like I knew this is real serious. Yeah, wow. And I didn't know when I was going to be released, but I knew whenever I would be released, I was going to have to be ready to not ever come back again. 
Wow. Wow. So you did, so the state, so you, you did the state bid, which was in Missouri. <coughs> and was, excuse me, was your federal bid still in Missouri or did they move you to another location? No, I'm, I'm, in, the Kansas, I'm in Kansas. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So after the first drug, I'm, of course, and you know, was your drug for leisure or was that for survival? No, my drug was survival. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I used marijuana and stuff like that, but that drug I was selling, it was, it was crack and it was cocaine and that was for survival. Wow. And this was in Kansas too? This was in Missouri. I'm, I'm originally from Missouri, a little okay. bit uh, east of Kansas City. Almost okay. central Missouri. I would never think somewhere that far would have, maybe I'm just, you know, yeah. when you think of inner cities, you don't, I, it might Missouri, Wyoming. I'm thinking y'all I just mean, in the lily I, of the I, valley. I, know, no, no. I know you heard Kansas City, Kansas yeah, City, but St. Louis. I know Kansas City, and say, but I just, I don't know. Sometimes I just think when I think, if, if I don't hear the city city, I don't think nothing. I think all the other areas are kind of rural. It's just like here. You know Atlanta is popping. But when you hear somebody say Lawrenceville or Macon, you you're not yeah, Villa Rica, you're yeah. not thinking they do you think they in the, the field somewhere. So right. <laughs> it's just it's just throwing me off a bit. And so during your your childhood, so I'm I'm presuming because you know, during your childhood you had a successful childhood and then Eventually, you started hustling. No, 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 this nah, nah, it wasn't no successful childhood. This this started in the childhood. Like when I grew up, you know, my mom, my mom was on crack. My father wasn't nowhere around. Like he'd come in the picture every four or five years. He'd come from out of town, be like, "Hey, you want to go with me?" You know, that's my dad. So I'm like, "Yeah," but he really wasn't nowhere around the picture. The household I grew up in was dysfunctional. Everybody in the household I grew up in that was adult was an addict, whether it was crack or whether it was alcohol. My grandmother was an alcoholic. My grandpa was an alcoholic. He died when I was about three or four. But all my aunties are recovering addicts, uh, crack, and then my uncles were alcoholics. So I grew up in this. And at an early age, I learned how to hustle. At an early age, when I used to go to grade school, we had a Lay's potato chip uh, company that used to leave their garage door open. So what I would do is I would run in there and grab about four or five bag of chips on the way to school because it was just right up the street. And I go to school and sell the chips. So I learned how to start hustling and that mentality at an early age. So by the time I was a teenager, I was already involved in gangs. I was already involved in gangs, drinking alcohol, using drugs. I'm like 12 or 13. And then just started selling drugs. And so I was getting into a lot of, of violent stuff as well. And I ended up catching an attempted murder case at 15 years old, which put me in a foster home only because I could play basketball. I was real good at basketball. So coaches came to court and explained the living situations that I was living in, mother being on drugs, no guidance and nothing. I was basically raising myself. And so they spoke on my behalf and they got me in a foster home. And so while I was in a foster home, I had a stipulation to graduate high school. Prior to this, I graduating high school wasn't nowhere. Four, four, four out of six of my friends had already dropped out 13 14 so i was on the verge i was just really going to school just to play basketball so even in 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 
I guess your love for basketball, that couldn't push you past, I guess, well, no, I guess if you need to survive, you're going to survive first over love of extracurricular activity. But even, so even when you got into the foster home, basketball never became your first love in regards to, okay, maybe if I keep doing this basketball, I can get to college or Nowhere did that ever sink in 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 your mental thoughts. And 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 it's crazy you asked it because up until that point, no, I didn't think I played no college basketball or none of that. I was really I had this belief that I was a product of my environment, gang banging, fighting, drugs. Like I was used to this. So when I got put in the foster home, which was a totally on a whole another different side, different family family structure, a full family. Foster mother, foster dad, brothers, sisters, like it was a family that took me in um, that used to coach me AAU. So they took me in as foster parents. So I started to see a different side of, of life, but I kept that mentality. Like I'm a product, I'm a street dude. I come from the streets. I'm the product of my environment. And so that hindered a lot of my expectations for myself. I didn't have no expectations for myself, but to be a street dude. And so when I ended up playing basketball my junior and senior year with the stipulation I had to graduate, I started getting offer letters from colleges to play basketball from Missouri, Iowa, a couple of junior colleges and things like that. And then that's when I made up the, my mind, like, hey, I could possibly go to college. And so I ended up going to college. That's how I know about Villa Rica, Carrollton, them area in Georgia, because I went to University of West Georgia. Oh, did you? I know yeah. graduates from <laughs> Yeah, I went when it was the Braves, not the uh, not the Bulls. We was the Braves when I went. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, you went way back. Yeah, I went way back. <laughs> so I ended up going there, but I, I carried, I still had this, it was just in me, the street stuff was in me. So when I got to Georgia, first thing I did was surround myself with street people. I, I, you know, I, people on my team was from Atlanta, their cousins and everything come to the game, come to the campus. And I would go hang out with them. So I was, I'm back into selling drugs and everything while I'm in college. I mean, that's just the mentality that I had. Like, it was always survival mode for me. So when I got to college and I was out the foster home, it was like I'm back to really surviving. So outside of playing basketball and going to school, I'm selling drugs and I'm gangbanging at the same time still. Is there Whoa. any Is there any way that you know of that a person can change their ways while keeping their associates mm, no you have to, okay. have to you have to change your associates because that's what i was doing i kept surrounding myself by around people that i was used to being around that was in the streets selling drugs driving nice cars gang banging no matter where i went that's what i surrounded myself with and all the way up to with the prison, even when I was doing the prison time, I do prison. Like I did my first prison bid, I did almost seven years. So I go do the prison bid, I get out, I go right back to the same neighborhood, hanging around the same people, the same gang, my block, same environment. So eventually, it was, I was going to start selling the same drugs. I was going to start doing the same thing. And I didn't take any time. I went right back to it. And every time I got out of prison and hung around the same environment, the same people, and surrounding myself with them people, that's what that, I went back back to prison. Except for the last time when I got out to federal prison, I was like, I'm gonna move away. I'm just gonna do all this over. And then, I, plus, I had a plan. I had a blueprint that I, I was I had 
written up to follow once I was released. Mm-hmm. So, so you saw the saw paper, paper. that, and I know we kind of jumping all over. You saw the paper that it was you versus the United States. Instantly, you was like, okay, no, I need to get it together or however. When you came out, what was the first thing that you was like, okay, I know when I get out this jail, I am going to, and I am shifting my mind here. What was those first thoughts? When I got out of prison, I'm sticking to the blue the, the script. That's what I had when I when I walked out of federal prison, I had no money, none of that. All I had was four brown legal folders. I still got these four folders to this day. I wish I would have brought them down so I could show you. I had these four brown legal folders that had everything that I studied from business law to self to um, just everything about growing ideas, plans, and goals. Everything was in these folders, books and all. And this was my blueprint. This was my plan. So when I got out, my thing was, I'm got to stick to the script. This is the first time I'm doing any, I don't, I ain't worried about no food. I'm not worried about no women. I got to stick to the script. I got to start off where I see myself starting at. This is the start. Let's go. That's how I was when I got out. It's time. Let's go. Ooh. I mean, I'm just empowered in just these few moments. Um, hi, everybody. I forgot to welcome um, our listeners out there who are there with us. Um, so far, you've gotten some great reviews. Oh, okay, Letitia. Well, China says testimony. Letitia says, OMG. Cardell looks like the rock. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you get that, Cardell? No, no, no. <laughs> I people, um, people mistake me for... One lady, I was in a hotel one time doing a speech and I was going to my room and one lady said, Curtis, Curtis, is that you? And I'm like, nah, my name not no Curtis. She's like, oh, I thought you was 50 Cent. I'm like, come on now. Oh, 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 that's a stretch. That's a stretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, come on, like, are you intoxicated? Like, let's for real. So then I was in a drive through one time and one lady said, she thought I was LL Cool J. I said, ah, oh, man, this is getting I, I, I feel that vibe in the ball head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. oh, <laughs> he ain't looking his he ain't licking his lips enough for LL. The um, glasses sort of turning him off, and he don't have on no cap. But yeah, you might, you might. He got, he got a, a swag. He got a swag. It's a thirty percent for the LL. The background though is amazing. The background, love it. Yeah, it's love amazing. It. Concrete so, bricks, the color of concrete that, bricks. I it, I did that um on purpose because it, it, I, I come for the bricks, you know. And in the, from the streets, it's different, different, a lot of different stuff going on. A lot, of, I say colors, a lot of different colors going through different lenses. Everybody out here trying to survive. Everybody are trying to make it. People going the right way. People going the wrong way. People just trying to get to a point where they're comfortable and satisfied with their lives. And so that's what the bricks represent. Like everybody coming from a different place, but we all trying to grind hard and get to a destination. So you mentioned earlier in our opener um, what you were working on. And I know we're just continuing to jump over the place. But one of China's questions is, have you thought about mentoring troubled kids or young adults? So oh, yeah. go ahead and you can go into what you were talking about earlier. That, that, that's what I love to do. That's my, that's my passion. Um, especially with the with the children, because you know they're coming into teenage years and they're in situations like I was in, like 
you go home and it's no hope, you know, and you can, and people would tell them this and people tell them that. And sometimes you don't relate. They don't relate to people. But when I come in they're like, oh yeah, we, we relate. I'm not, I don't really wear suit and ties a lot. I come in there dress, you know, I like to be comfortable when I'm talking to people. And so I come in there and it's, it's fun. I, I do youth build programs for those who don't know what youth build programs are. They're around the United uh, States. I have a contract with them. Pre-COVID, uh, pre-COVID, we had a contract where I would go in to the youth bills. They are programmed to hold people from 16 to 24. Uh, they don't have, G you can't have a GED or high school diploma to be in the program because they help you get them. Then they help you get uh, either construct uh, construction skills and many other different programs, barbering, uh, barber license and things of that nature. Um, and then they had the education department of the youth built. So I have a contract. I had a contract with the youth built where I would go to all the youth builds in the, uh, Missouri, Kansas, Illinois, you know, work one-on-one -on -one with the, with the uh, students. And that's great. And they more adapt. They're not, one thing I found out about a lot of children is they're not stuck into their ways. They're open to see change. They're open to see the greatness inside of them. A lot of times when I deal with uh, the brothers and sisters coming out of prisons, I had to bump heads because they, you know, we stuck in our ways at an older age. Like, nah, man, this is, this, you know, and it's, so I had to push them more and challenge them more, the adults, than I do with the youth because a lot of adults still have 30, 40 years worth of beliefs that they've been, all their lives, they've been living under this. And now they realize that this is not right. And so now they have to break that habit. They have to break that thought process. And we all know how hard it is to break someone that's already that's already standing firm in their beliefs. So how long, and, and I don't think we asked this question or if I might've missed it. How long have you been out of prison? I've been out of prison for three and a half years. I just got off federal probation uh, January 1st, 2021. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. And you went in at the age of? So I, I went in my first time I went to prison. I went in at 22. I got out at 29. Well, I'm 29. I went back to prison about 31, got out 32. Then I, I had some technical violations like association, uh, dropping dirties to sit me back and things of that nature. Uh, I used to make music. I used to rap. And so I'll be about rapping. Yeah, that explains the LL Cool J. <laughs> There we go. Oh, there we go. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Are you gonna rap for us, Cardell? I mean, no, uh, I, I, put, I put my mic down. I put my mic down. Uh, but I, I'm trying to find a way to incorporate the, some music into what I do now. So hopefully, I would get that on track. But um, I used to. I got to sit back to prison on a technical violation for putting the judge and a prosecutor in in some of my music. So I got sent back on 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 technical wow. uh, yeah so you know just so you know the judge or the uh prosecutor say get the hold of the PO and say oh he got a video with us and it'll find something to violate him about and it, during this time it, you could have found anything because I was doing it and everything you could, I've been violated for real probably wasn't even checking in with the PO so they was just like you got to catch me um so but when I went to the feds I went to the feds I was 30 34 years old and, and no, I'm already up in age. I'm like, I do not want to be in prison 40 years old, 50 years old, 60 years old, because I've seen people in prison 
40, 50, 60, 70 years in prison. I just don't want to do it. Yeah. And I'm looking at Cardell Sims versus United States and I'm on conspiracy charges. They picked me and 31 other people up. They picked my whole neighborhood, my whole gang up, you know? And so we face conspiracy charges, gang activity, um, ATFs there by guns and murders. And so it was like, everybody's facing 10 to life. And so we're like, whenever I get out of this, this is what I'm going to do. And the only way I'm going to do this is I got to start here. So I went to the feds at 34. I came out right before my 40th birthday and well, about 39th birthday. Mm-hmm. And I just, I got out. This is what I've been on ever since. I ain't looked back and associated with the same people. Like I see, we fans on Facebook, but as far as us being, we on two different levels now. I'm on like, a, <laughs> it ain't nothing personal, but it is personal. For me, it's personal. As towards y'all, it's not personal. And this is what I've been doing. Like, I'm sticking to the blueprint that I left prison with. People say, well, how'd you get there? I had it mapped out. Everything that I do has been mapped out. So I know what the next move. So once I completed everything, like, I knew about the books. I already knew I was going to write the books. I had it planned out. I knew I was going to get the life coaching because I knew I wanted to do some kind of coaching when I got out because I was good at helping people. Even in prison, guys would come to me and say, Cardell, can you help me with this? I look over this, you know, tell me what this means. And every conversation was about growth. So people attracted to me. So I said, I'm going to get into coaching. So I figured out what it takes to become a life coach. How much, <clears throat> well, you know, the first question was, well, how much does a life coach make? You know, so <laughs> that's what I want to know first. How much do they make for us to get into this? <laughs> you know, but I, 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 I just wanted to find everything out about life coaching. I studied it. And so when I got out, I was in a halfway house. And while in a halfway house, I was working as a telemarketer from uh, 7 in the morning to 2 p.m. And after 2 p.m., I was taking life coaching courses for about two hours. Then I'd type up my books. And I just, that was my routine. I'd work out. And that was my routine over and over. So when I left out of the halfway house, I had three books typed up. I, had, I was a master certified empowerment life coach. You know, I had money, I had money saved up. And I had my I had my plans. Like this is this is step one. This is a hundred step process. I just knocked out step one. Let's get on to step two. But Carter, hold up, hold up, hold up. All of, I understand it's having strategies in place and writing it down, making it plain. But you know, listen to your backstory. How in the world did you jump from, you know, in and out of prison and, and the lifestyle and the family life to being that focused and to be that focused and to be able to carry out that plan, did you do that by yourself or did you have people supporting you? Like, how, how did you really do that? That, um, that leap? Um, only, only thing, the support that I was getting from people was, um, I need this book. If you can order this book, like I would never ask for money. It would be, if you can order this book for me, if you can, I, I appreciate it. So that was support. People nice. giving me books and stuff like that, that I knew I needed in order to grow. What made me get so focused was I, that it was just something about Cardell Sims versus the United States of America. Mm. Like I was like, versus the state of Missouri was cool or the county I came from, that's cool. <laughs> but you know, it's like the United States of America. And if you in the street game and people, you know, once the feds, everybody, you know, everybody, you hear the rappers talking about it, the feds knocking, you know. So once you know the feds got you, they got you. Like, you know this if you operating in the streets. If the feds mm-hmm. got you, they got you. If you don't know this, you don't need to be operating in the streets. So feds came and got us. They came and got 31 of us. So when I walked in there, 
I see my whole neighborhood inside the federal courthouse holding cell. So I think they pick me up and I walk in there and I'm saying, oh, whoa, oh, wait, uncle, they got, they got my uncle, cousins, you know, like the whole, it's like a whole family. So it's like, oh man, this is serious. And then they walked us in the courtroom and handed that paper and had my charges, a conspiracy, aid in the bed, and 10 to life, five to four, things like that. And, and like, I've seen these numbers before because every time I call the case, these numbers was like this. Mm-hmm. But versus the United States of America, it was a whole new different ball game. And right then and there, I'm like, I asked myself one question. Why do I keep finding myself in these situations? And I answered wow. that I answered that question too. Like, this is why you keep finding yourself. And I realized that I wasn't the only victim of my actions, but I was the first victim of my actions. Like, I'm mm. getting first out of this, you know? And so I focused in like, something got to change. This one's got to change. My thought process, my mindset, I had to make a mental shift. And that came from reading different books knowledge itself, uh, science itself, seed of the soul, super rich, religion, mm. you know, just a lot of different books. And I just went from there. So let me just say that to our viewers, like reading, I mean, that's fine. You got, you know, social media and all that kind of stuff, but reading will, will transform your mind. It will change your life. If you sat down with a book and then another book and another book, it will really change for your, your life. Cause you didn't tell me you had this coach helping you, this mentor helping you. You said that you, you know, the fear of the feds, that, that, that was the thing. And then you read, you know, and, and it likens, it, it makes me think about Malcolm X story. You know what I'm saying? Look at all he accomplished just from reading, you know, that man probably had like a PhD when he left prison. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. That's amazing, bro. That is amazing. So, <sighs> Just to reiterate, everyone, um, if you're just joining us, we are definitely talking to Cardell Sims as he tells his story about journey from inmate to inspiration. And and so before we get back to some of the comments, I wanted to ask, when you got out, did you did you even have a desire to see your biological family or even your foster family? And so one thing about my family is that we always been tight. You know, my mother was now she's 25. She's just celebrated. She just celebrated her 25th year being uh, clean and sober, you know? And so, Hey, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's what's yeah. up, mama. So, Shout so, out to mama. That's where I draw that, that strength from, you know, seeing that, you know, like, yeah, I, I see my mama overcome a lot. So I know it's in me to overcome whatever it is that I'm going through. I, I know I'm built for this. I know, that's why I used to tell myself in prison, like I'm better than the situation that I'm in, but how I'm going to prove that I'm better. Me keep coming back and forth showing that I'm not better, but me never coming back shows that I am better. I knew I was better than the situation that, that I was in. So my family structure has always been tight. You know, it's just that we were just, everybody was going through their, you got like my, like I said, like my mother, I was the middle child. And my mother had me when she was 16. Okay. Okay. Mm. You see, so mm. I, I got older sister that's a couple years older than me. Then I have a, a brother that's six years younger than me. Okay. But we always had a, stri- a strong family. So when I got out of prison, my support system that I had was my family, my mother, my, my, my stepdad, my brother, my sisters. Okay. And I just kept it amongst them. As far as my foster family, I kind of grew away from them really once I left their house. Cause that just, once I, that was kind of like a two year break for me. Uh, it was take a two year break from the streets, graduate, get
get a scholarship, uh, a college scholarship, and then once I go to college, I'm back off on my own. I don't have nothing over me, no probation, nothing. Let's go. And it was right back into the same thing. But I still hold a relationship with them because I've been knowing my my foster parent family all my life. Like I used to play with oh. them. I used to play with my their sons. The dad was our AAU coach, so he would come and gather the kids up from the neighborhood. And everybody's gonna play sports. I don't care what sports you're gonna play. He's gonna put you in every sport there was: basketball, soccer, tennis. He didn't care. He was, he was gathering up the kids. Everybody played sports. Okay. So I always, I always had a relationship with them prior to me even moving in with them. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, China says, um, I guess this is similar. Your story is similar to hers. Um, it's mine, mine too. But my story is not as strong as yours. I worked for the Department of Children's Services and enjoyed it, but it's more to life, and I'm still learning. Wow! Wow! So, Chani, your your story is strong, sis. You're gonna reach somebody based on you know your background and your story. So, all of our stories are strong. Exactly. Yeah. So, all of your books are self-published. Yeah, all of my books. So, what I had while I was incarcerated, I wrote three novels. You know, I first got in there reading novels. I can do this. This ain't nothing. Wrote three novels. (laughs) Uh, You know, got that out the way. Just. You know, I, I write. I was in, in jail. I write a book in uh, a month and a half. Even out here now, once I decide, okay, it's time to move, write another book. I'd write it in a month and a half. So, but I didn't know the publishing game. Mm-hmm. So oh. that was inside the notes, though. You gonna? I'm writing a book, okay? But this is what you need to know with the publishing. So I'm I'm writing down all the publishing companies from all the books that I, I ordered. I look in the back, put, oh, that's the publisher coming up, right? name, phone number, address down. Like, I'm, I'm going to get all these people when I get out, you know? But then when I got out, a published author showed me about the um, the KDP, uh, Kindle Publishing, mm-hmm. and things of that. And so uh, at the time, they had CreateSpace. I think uh, Kindle Publishing took over CreateSpace, but you go to CreateSpace. And then I started understanding the publishing game because when I was in music, I, I knew the, I understood the publishing for music. So I knew. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to start a publishing company. I'm going to publish my own books through my company. So that way I can get more of the royalties. I just got to make the connections and push it out there. It just so happened that Amazon, when I got out, Amazon was, just, was already set, ready to go. And then, you know, I was like, oh, man, well, this is a little bit more easy than I thought. So... I just started pushing my books to Amazon and ordering copies and then just started selling books out the trunk. So like when I started my company, I started my company by just doing free seminars, but I would make money selling my books and t-shirts. Okay. Okay. Residual income. Okay. I love it. Wow. When's your birthday? August 10th. Okay. He's a Leo. Leo. Mm. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay. So, Cardell, I feel like you know, I, I feel like the the skills you learn out in the streets are very transferable. You know, you can do use those to be great. You know, in your own business, so forth and so forth. So, uh, my question to you, or, or so this is how I feel. I feel like when people come out, they need to start a business. I think they should start businesses because no one's asking you about your record and all that. They just want to know that you can, you know, help them, support them. So, what is your take on that? Do you do you think that people need to find a job first, and or should they go ahead and start a business? What do you think? Um, when I be, this is one part of the thing I work in on one of my reentry courses is employment. 
And I always tell this, and this because this is what I this is what I stuck by when I got out. Mm-hmm. When you get out of prison, everybody says, yo, you got to get a job. You need to get a job. You got to do this. You know, get a job ASAP. And what happens is people go get jobs that doesn't fit them. Mm. And so, mm. they, so they're not there but two, three weeks, and then they quit because it, it doesn't fit them. And so they you all need to say that job. again. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you, when you get out of prison, find a job that fits you. I knew I was a great communicator. Telemarketing mm-hmm. was a good job, you know, to, to, to be over there and to say, talking people out of, um, getting people out of their uh, timeshare contract. That ain't nothing. Nice. All you got to do is just talk negative about what the time, hey man, look, you might want to get out of this contract because your maintenance fees is killing you. You're not getting to use the, the timeshare on the vacations that you want to, so you're never getting to use it. You're just really holding on to it and it's costing you more money. Let me help you get out of this. It's as simple as that. But I'm a great communicator. So I got a job that played to my strength. And a lot of times when we get out of prison, people want you to just take a job. And it doesn't play to any strengths that you have. And so you end up quitting. And so if you're an entrepreneur and you got the funds or you got a plan to set up to get out and transition into entrepreneurship, that's the best bet because you don't have to worry about, like you say, I ain't got to worry about you asking me no questions about my felony record. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to use my strengths and my skills that I have towards something productive that I want to do and get paid for it. I know a lot of brothers that got out, they got started power washing companies, started, and it'd be simple stuff, started lawnmower, uh, yard services. One guy started glass cleaning where he goes to the car lots and he cleans all the glass on all the cars and he does little small buildings and banks. He 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 ain't gonna get on no ladder or nothing like that. He get heights, <laughs> but he mastered the one level window washing game. Wow, that Yo, is. Yo, I, I really think talk- about that. That and that is a real need because you think about if you go to a city like Atlanta, we got a car lot every other block. So you imagine if he just took the whole block. The kind of um, residuals he would be making, man, that is mad funny. I, I mean, recently talked to him. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying I recently talked to a brother that um, was incarcerated for many years, and he is a, a general contractor, and he has contracts with the government making millions and millions and millions of dollars. Like, he has so much work he can't even, you know, see straight. And, you know, if he went next door to McDonald's to get a job, they'd be like, no, because you got a felony. Right. So... I just, I think it's just amazing the possibilities if we just, um, but like you said, I think it was really key what you said, Cardell, you need to have a plan if you want to transition to, you know, entrepreneurship. So you don't want to get out and just say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And you don't know, like people don't understand how hard lot like me, for example, I looked at entrepreneurship as being easy until I got off into entrepreneurship. <laughs> that part. Like every three that months. Part. Every three months, I'm kind of like, man, forget it. You know? But I got built up because not only was I investing all that time and energy into what I was building, I knew I had to continue to get education. So what do I need to educate myself about now? Entrepreneurship. So I joined the entrepreneurship program. Nice. Uh, it, it cost me when I first started. It was ninety-seven dollars a month, but I've been in it so long, only paid twenty-nine dollars, and it's wow. the best investment that I made. I've been in the group almost six months since I've been out of prison, so going on three years, you know. Uh, and it helped me step my entrepreneurship game. Like I learned everything about being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, 
in this program. And that was just another investment that I had to make because I, nice. like I said, I thought the entrepreneurship was going to be easy, you know, from the outside looking in and you really get in it and then you, you know, especially if you are one, like I'm a one man at one time, I was a one man team. I was the one, just me. I'm, I'm learning the ins and outs. I'm learning how to do the books. I'm learning how to uh, do the flyers. I'm learning how to edit the videos. Like I know I'm learning how to do all of this, set everything up. So now I know how to do it. So when I hire somebody to do it, you can't, if you can't do it, but just get out the way, let me do this, you know, because I've trained myself to know every aspect of it, you know, whether it's the systems for uh, your website or systems for uh, whether it's a landing page, like I've learned all of these. And this comes from being in the business course that I invested in uh, over the years and learning these things and taking the initiative to, you know what they say, knowledge is not power, it's the, the applying the knowledge. Apply, taking mm. action, yeah. that's right. So that's what I did was take the action. I love that, your approach. I, same thing, I feel like if, you, um, if you're if you starting a business, you can't afford to pay people to do stuff, then you need to learn it yourself, homie. Learn how to do it yourself. But when you have the ability to bring some team members in, you need to hire the experts and let them come on in. But it's great to know you need to know accounting. You need to know basic accounting for your own business. You know, people get got all the time. Here celebrities all the time that have gone for tax evasion because they didn't know basic accounting. So I love that. That's my approach. Know the basics and do what you can. But when you can afford to hire ex experts to come in, do that there. So that's that's awesome. Awesome, awesome. Yes. So once again, we are talking with um, Cardell Sims in regards to his journey from inmate to inspiration and China says awesome learn before you delegate which All is day. very most definitely most definitely got to learn yeah. I mean a lot yeah. of people jump out there and they don't know and then they crash out you know and that's like with the reentry like if you don't prepare yourself and know that these certain obstacles is going to be there know that you're going to need this know that you're going to need that if you're getting out and you're not knowing this then you're getting out and you're like well I don't, I don't have nothing. So I'm just going to go back to what I know. That's right. That's what once, you, once that Once that thought kicks in right there, you already one foot headed back to prison. You already one foot headed back to the penitentiary just off that thought. Because what happens is you open the door for criminality to be an option. And that's one thing that you got to kill getting out of prison. You, you can't never have criminality as an option coming out of prison. If wow. you if you one of the ones to say, Man, I'm going to get out and I'm going to try, but if it don't work, I'm going to, you already got one step back going to prison because you just opened the door for criminality to be an option. I'm going to rob something. I'm going to go pick up a pack. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it's all illegal. So now criminality is an option and you already one foot toward the penitentiary. When I got out this time, my options was on the paper. If it wasn't on that paper, then it wasn't an option. It just so wasn't Cardell, with that, with that being that that was your journey from inmate to inspiration, how have you how have you transitioned into relationships since you've spent so much time in between state and federal prison? Where are where is your mind mentally when it comes to relationships? What kind of relationships you talking about, Janet? What kind yeah. of relationships? What type of relationships? Um, I'm talking about all kinds of relationships because he spoke profoundly on how he has developed his business relationship because from at one time he was the only dolo. He was all by himself, but he learned to gradually include teammates. And even in he, that he said in speaking with teammates that sometimes he's like, oh, if you can't get it done, just let me go. But then how have you 
into a um, man-woman relationships. I mean, where are you along this journey? Or man-man, we don't know. I'm just saying, I'm asking okay, all okay. kinds of questions. Uh, and as the interviewee, I have that right. I said man-woman. Where are you? Hello. So as far as um, business relationships, um, my business relationships is great because I'm not afraid to ask uh, whether it was finding a mentor or asking somebody to be a mentor. I had no problem with it. So I build relationships with different people, not just on the fact of what what can you do for me, but more of what do you need me to do if I can help you in any way? What do you need me to do? You know, and I built a lot of relationships. Like my biggest business relationship is with um, a company called Inventive, which is the parent company of JPay and Securius. For those who've been in prison or incarcerated, you know that JPay does emails and Securius, they do the phones. You know, so for me to build a partnership with people that have the technology in prison and get my reentry curriculum on these tablets, that comes from me pursuing business relationships, not afraid. Yes or no. I took a I took a motto was you're gonna tell me yes, you're gonna tell me no. No. I've been told yes before, I've been told no before. No, no before. <laughs> you know. You know. And that's so true because have- in business, you have to either take the yes or you take the no. It's no, I don't know. It's either yes or no. And if you get a no, you just get back up and try yeah. for another okay. yes. And a no so- might be a simple, I'm sorry, a no might be a, mm-hmm. And I always figure out why was the no. What, what, somebody says no. Why no? It's all I want to know. Why no? Because it might that's be something good. that I need to polish up on. That is true. Good. That I need to write true. that down. Why no? Because I don't always find out why I get a no. So I need to look look at that. Thank you, Carter. I know we don't have a, a lot of time left, but you talk about these contracts, like like your stuff on the iPad. How are you doing that? Either yes or either no. Like JPay, like J they they interviewed me. They sent me an email, uh-huh. and I just glanced through the email. Like you want to do the interview? I said yeah. Not really focusing in on who the email was from. And mm-hmm. I like to share my story. So I, you know, share my story and then we're talking afterwards to see like, yeah, we're trying to do a new look for uh, inside, you know, we're just trying to have a new look because people always think we just want their money. I'm like, well, who you represent again? And she was like, JPay. And I'm like, JPay in the prisons, right? The emails and all. She's like, yeah. Wow. So a light bulb went out. Okay. I need to make this connections because I'm trying to get into prisons, whether it's mm. me physically in the prisons or me getting a re-entry on the tablet. So I asked, what type of reentry stuff do you have on the tablets inside of prisons? Their answer was, we really don't have nothing but a couple of few. I'm like, y'all don't have a curriculum or nothing? No, I got a curriculum. Here you go. Put this on the tablet. Wow. Wow. That That is really phenomenal. Because as, as you stated in the early conversations about not really having um, the opportunity to um, encourage your mind and build and study, now that you've provided something for them to use as a curriculum, now you're getting them to get into the books and, and, and study and prepare and, and get that plan to get them out of the prison. And so then they started their reentry division. Um, uh, the, um, a black lady from t- uh, Tennessee, I, uh, Aisha, I can't think of her last name. So she's over the- Aisha. No, yeah, no, sorry. Over, yeah, that's see, you're my area right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a jokester. You can't pay me no attention. Proceed. <laughs> and so I've seen this, 
once I see, I, I read the article on Facebook, you know, they published the mm -hmm. article. Uh, Jay Payne Security Preventives got a new head of reentry. Okay, that's the head of reentry. I'm already I'm already connected to the communication department of Jay Payne Security. So now I need to get to the reentry partner. So I the senior manager of the communications that I was in partnership with, I I like this article. I sent her an article and so said I liked it. Can you introduce me and put me on that on the reentry team? So she made the introductions. We had our call last week. Now we're looking to build more and hopefully, I, you know, they can cut me a contract, a check to be on the, the reentry team. But if they, don't, if they don't cut the contract or the check, guess what? I'm still here to help any way that I can because I believe service is king. I believe it's not about what you gather, but what you scatter is going to tell you the kind of life that you have lived. Oh, well, well, mm. well, well, well. Um, can you write, say that one more time? It's, it's not, not the life not, that you gather. It's not about what you gather, but what you scatter. It's gonna tell mm -hmm. the kind of life that you had lived. Yes, yes, that that is amazing. That is amazing. Okay, okay. Uh, and, I like yeah, that. And my other relationship, as far as personal, me and me and my fiance, we've been on and off for twenty one years. Wow! Right? Whoa, that's a Nakia story. Well, she married her. For, for Go 20, ahead. For twenty years, I say twenty years. <clears throat> Excuse me, and. The reason why I was off was because my life in the streets and she just wasn't accepting that. Like you, you go to the streets, I'm going to do whatever you go to prison. That's on you. I got to do what I got to do out here, you know, and, and cause she got her own path, her own career that she was pursuing. So we was on and off for 21 years. And then when I got out and you know, it was like a seven year break or more. So when I got out of the feds and she really seen that I really left everything alone, then it was like we had to get to know each other yet again. It's like oh, we're two different people from when I was 22, 23, and then 30s to now. And I'm almost 40. Or at the time, I was 40 and trying to, you know, like I think a whole nother different way. And so it's crazy how that relationship came back around. And it's it's the best that it's ever been because the mm -hmm. other time was I was too busy out of the streets. I was doing any and everything they got to do. We all know what comes along with the streets, infidelity. I'm selling drugs. I'm out. I'm not, you know, I'm just doing me. And so we really didn't know each other. And now you think like, well, we've been in and out of the relationship for 20 something years. And now here it is the last almost four years since I've been home that we've been together. And it's like, we really now just getting to know and understand each other over these past four years. Wow. Wow. This, this has been a powerful thought provoking, just, just your journey is truly, truly, truly amazing. I mean, what, what, what would you want to say to others that may be watching, well, watching, experiencing, I, what, what, what words of inspiration would you give? I mean, I live by this quote, and it says right here, it says, don't let the limitations of your background reduce the height of your potential. Hmm. Outgrow what you were born into. You know, and, and a lot of people say, well, Inmate the Inspiration is my book, my journey, my story. How I challenge certain beliefs, how I prioritize my values, how I raise expectations for myself, along with four keys that I implemented called Hustle, Attitude, Vision, and Education, which is another book. While we're talking about the books, 
you can go to my website, cardiosims.com backslash soulful, and you can the link, you can order these books. Inmate the inspiration, you get 25% off. You got inmate the inspiration, my journey, my story, how I freed myself from self-destruction, what it took, challenging my beliefs, prioritizing what I value, and raising expectations for myself. And then it has a re-entry uh tips in the in the second half of the book and a letter to the inmates for those that are incarcerated. And also inmate being somebody that has uh been impacted or letting something impact them negatively, mentally, and then allowing it to take energy from them. You're an inmate to that situation or that or that, or that circumstance or that thing. And so I also have another book called I Can, I Will, I Do I Am. Every morning when I woke up in prison when my feet hit the ground, I said thank you. And I said an affirmation. The affirmation I said for the first six, seven months was I am greater than this situation. That's mm. what I said every morning. I'm greater. And that for that day, I had to prove why I was greater than this to myself. Why am I greater than this situation? And I was on the knowledge. I went out and seek knowledge and start putting everything together. Then I have another book called Have, Hustle, Attitude, Vision, Education, The Keys to Success. I don't say these are the only keys to success. I'm saying these are the keys that helped me be successful. I had to have the right attitude. I had to have the vision. I had to have the education. Then I had to put the work in. I had to have the hustle. So hustle, attitude, vision, education, the keys to success. You got to have it. Whoa. And and I'm already, this would be, those books would be good for people who are already even out of prison and can't find their way. Exactly. Definitely. I think we all know some people that will benefit from reading these books and, and trying to ask, how do you get the books? As you can see, sis, that is the website. And we use that link. You get a 25% discount. Thank you. Yay. Thank you, Cardell. Thank you, Cardell. Well, ladies and and gentlemen, it's been another great episode. Um, I do believe we were doing soul jazz, but we were so enthralled into the conversation that we forgot to even mention that you all needed to um, type soul jazz and go from there. And so we forgot um, we forgot all about it. So first, let me um, apologize for that. In addition, guess what? Guess what? We're one week and four days away from the VA World Conference. So if you haven't gotten your tickets, please, please make sure to log on to VAWorldConference.com and purchase your tickets. And just to get you even more excited, next week, next week, Tuesday, we have our keynote speaker, Tasha Booth, live on Soltiful. So make sure that you join us right back here. Always remember to like, share, and subscribe. We thank you, Cardell, for an excellent conversation yes. in regards to your journey from inmate to inspiration. Well, thank you all like for having me on. Oh, it was our pleasure. We look forward to seeing you next week, Tuesday, live on Soltiful at 4 p.m. Bye-bye. And Cardell, we want to we want you to come back. We're gonna bring some brothers on so we can have like a real, you know, dialogue. So uh, if you're open to yeah. that. Yeah, I'm awesome. open to it. Okay, awesome. And awesome. I'm gonna come with my Kango hat and so <laughs> <laughs> I, so I wear my chain and a hat and yeah. Oh, oh, we got a hat in the building. Hey Mama Deutsch. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Bye everybody. Bless. <laughs> <laughs>
Hi, and welcome to Soul Support.